1: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. How much cap space do the Bears have this offseason? Who stays on the team and who goes? Who should they pursue in free agency? Brad Spielberger from the Blitz Network joins us to tackle all these questions and more on this special episode of Bear With Me. Hello, and welcome to Bear With Me, a show that is all bears all the time. I'm your host, Robert Schmitz, and a proud partner with Windy City Gridirons podcasting brand. We're committed to bringing you quality bears content, whether they're in season or out. We've got a great show lined up for you today. Brad Spielberger, a cap expert who writes for the Blitz Network and OverTheCap.com, joins us for a Skype interview that dives into everything you could ever want to know or find out about Chicago's 2019 cap situation. Now before we get into the interview, it's important for our own sake that I mention that we recorded this interview on January 13th before one notable team that you'll hear mention got eliminated from the playoffs. So bear in mind, we didn't know yet. But anyways, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the interview. Hey, Brad, how are you doing?
0: Good, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. So how's your day been today? Good enough?
0: Day's going well so far. Just uh, looking at some uh, Bears salary cap going forward to for 2019.
1: Perfect. I'm excited to talk to you about it. So the first question that we'll jump off with, and obviously this isn't a simple question, you know, you hear a lot about cap hell and people being in it, people not being in it, folks wanting to avoid it, and the Bears signed a ton of huge deals this last year with Khalil Mack on the books, Eddie Goldman on the books, uh, Prince Mukamura on the books. Are the Bears in
0: cap hell? So the Bears, I would not say, are in cap hell uh ryan pace did a great job of you know he came in with what he said was about a four-year plan and i think he's executed that pretty well he's made sure all the free agents he signed you know many of which have not really worked out were all on short-term deals and they've since left the team and have not you know brought dead money with them we'll get into what dead money means and so no the bears are not in cap hell
1: okay what is cap hell what does it look like
0: Sure. So, Cap Hell can come in many different ways, shapes, and forms. Um, I think the number one way to find yourself in Cap Hell, and we have a couple examples this year, is when you carry a lot of dead money, which is what I just mentioned. So, dead money is when you're paying players that are no longer on your roster. They're not contributing to your team. So, for example, this year, the Buffalo Bills had about $53 million in dead money. Oh, moly. Yeah, a lot. They were paying guys like Marcel Darius, Cordy Glenn, Eric Wood, all $8 million or more dollars this year on their salary cap, even though they were all on different teams in the league. Oh, boy. So, I mean, you know, to cap hell, if you're spending $53 million out of a $177 million salary cap on guys that aren't even playing for you, right off the bat, you're basically, you have two-thirds of a salary cap to work with, you know, to fill out a full 53-man roster, that's mm-hmm. cap hell. <laughs>
1: Okay, yeah, even with a young quarterback, they're still in that big of a bind? Goodness, I can't even imagine. So in that case, before we get into a little bit more complicated, nitty-gritty topics, let me ask the basic one. How much cap space will the Chicago Bears have to work with in this offseason?
0: Sure. So as it stands right now, the Bears have roughly $20 million in cap space. Um, Although, you know, looking at it today, Right off the bat, I think Dion Sims is pretty much a guarantee to get cut, which I will agree save with the that. Bears. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, which will save the Bears about six million in space for next year. And then I also think Sam Acho is probably a guaranteed cut as well, mm-hmm. and that'll save the Bears two million. So, you know, 28 million dollars or so, I think, is you can pretty much guarantee we'll have that, and then we'll go from there. Um, yeah, it, it oh,
1: sucks for Acho. I'll jump in uh, because. He seems like a great dude. He's always been a solid pass rusher. And, of course, the year that he gets hurt before the season starts, the Bears go on to have a phenomenal defense. It's, it's, it almost seems to me that his contract is just too big and happened to get hurt in the wrong year uh, for us to keep him.
0: Yeah, totally. And I agree with you. He was a guy that worked really hard and was probably going to get some more snaps you know, in, in a rotational manner, uh, and that injury just kind of came at the worst possible time
1: but so continue on uh, you've got ocho down uh, sims down and then
0: sure so i also just wanted to kind of take a step back a bit and so you know in the discussion of cap space i think a couple things can get lost in the narrative so okay. you know as i mentioned i think about 28 million for the bears but one important figure that people tend to not look at is you know how many players are actually signed on the roster okay. so the Bears, if we take out Sims and Ocho, will have 36 players under contract for 2019. Mm-hmm. So obviously it's a 53-man roster. So you need seven. Or, sorry, you need 17 more players at that from that point. Mm-hmm. They only have four draft picks, so that gets mm-hmm. you to 40. And then, yeah, right, they have a third, a fourth, a fifth, and a seventh. Um, mm-hmm. And then you know because they gave the first and sixth to Oakland for Khalil Mack, and they sent their second to New England for Anthony Miller. So you have 13 free agents that need to fill out the rest of the roster with, you know, about 26 million left if you give about 2 million to those rookies. So, you know, that's about 2 million a player for, you know, 13 guys that, you know, for the most part will probably be special teams contributors. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a lot of guys coming back, so it's not like we're looking for another Allen Robinson, another Khalil Mack, but, you know, you have to pay everybody. So I think one thing with cap space that's important for people to realize is it's called effective cap space, which is how okay. much space do you have but how many guys do you actually need to fill, you know, your roster out with.
1: Yeah. So when you get that effective cap space number, basically do you assume a specific cost per player and then see oh. what the difference is?
0: Yes, absolutely. So effective cap space, you generally just take the minimum, you know, veteran minimum salary that you could pay and so we'll multiply that by the amount of space. Okay. Right. So Again, that's still probably going to give you a lowball estimate because you're not going to pay, you know, everyone the vet minimum. But, you know, of course, you'll have the undrafted free agents that they'll sign, you know, after the draft this year. You know, they may activate a guy like uh, Ryan Nall off of the practice squad, something yeah. like that. So there could be those type of players as well. Um, and then I think, you know, you may have alluded to or people want me to talk about uh, Cody Parkey as a potential cut. Um, <laughs> So I know this is the hot topic in Chicago right now, of course, for various reasons, mm-hmm. um, you know, his Good Morning America appearance notwithstanding. Um, and, you know, the situation truly could not be more of a lose-lose for the Bears there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Ryan Pace tried to once and for all just kill the issue of a bad kicker. Um, you know, I like to refer to it as the, as the curse of Robbie Gold, but, you know, <laughs> we, went, we went through Barth and all these guys that just couldn't work. And Parkey, you know, had a great year before we signed him, and, and Pace, gave him a top-of-the-market deal at kicker to just finally, once and for all, just put the nail in the coffin and just not have it be an issue anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, that backfired, uh, obviously. And so the issue there is, you know, while I think he probably will get cut just because I think it's too hard to bring a guy like that back into a situation, uh, I mean, he's co- he would cost the Bears a lot of money next year. I, th- yeah. I want to say about $4 million in dead money next year for a kicker, which is is not really a you know, sustainable number
1: it really is the big black mark on an otherwise phenomenal Ryan Pace offseason i mean like madden video game force trade level offseason <laughs> and the fact that parky wasn't just all right he was he was bad and lost the bears a playoff game i'm with you that i think he gets cut but boy that makes it a little bit tougher in terms of offseason salary cap because you're talking did you say it was 4 million in dead money
0: I can look that up right now, but yeah, it's for a kicker. It's way more than it needs to be, uh, and I think it would be about four million. Which, yeah, like you said, if he was okay, I think if you know, even if he had those regular season struggles that he had, I think mm-hmm. if he makes that kick against Philadelphia, I don't think we're having this conversation. But now it just becomes really tough. Um, I mean,
1: you're talking about a guy who is bottom ten in both XP percentage and field goal percentage it's not acceptable for a top of the market deal and if he didn't have five million four or five million dollars in dead money this wouldn't even be a question of whether he was getting cut
0: 100 percent. so it is five I actually just looked it up it is a little bit over five million which is which is a lot right and so like you said it wouldn't be a question at all he probably would have already been cut at this point Mm -hmm. Um, but that's going to be a really tough decision for Ryan Pace
1: Absolutely. Uh, Do you think from your Bears fan perspective that it's worth it to commit upwards of two million dollars to a better kicker? I know everybody keeps whispering about Robbie Gould being on the market.
0: I know people love to talk about it. Um, I I guess, you know, as we saw, you know, big games can come down to the little, you know, special teams plays and and, and field Mm -hmm. goals. And and I I do believe this Bears team is not going anywhere in to have another season potentially end on a, you know, a. That is is really hard to justify when you have that you know that Super Bowl window with you know Trubisky on his rookie deal still and all of that so you know worth it is, is a big question but I, I mean mm-hmm. I think it could be I if he's confident he can fill out the rest of the roster um, I think it could be worth it to just not have to deal with what could be a catastrophe if, if Parky is still on the roster
1: makes sense yeah we lost you there a little bit technically but just to fill in for those listening he said that uh it the bears are going to be pushing in 2019 and we absolutely need a place kicker that we can trust i mean just to take a pot shot at one of our nfc north rivals parky kind of looked like the uh kirk cousins of like the nfc north in terms of kicking where not only did he do it you know fine when it didn't matter, uh, the playoff game being a perfect example. It really seemed like it was those clutch moments where Parky seemed to implode a little bit. Uh, it couldn't have ended in a more Cody Parkey 2018 Bears way than totally miffing the iced attempt. So he hit that first one perfectly, straight through the uprights before the timeout. But it was that post-timeout shot that was just a little too low. Of, as we all know, it got tipped. Uh, but we're starting to get off of CAP and on the Cody party. <laughs> uh, so one uh, one topic in CAP stuff that I keep hearing thrown around is this term of restructuring and asking guys to take pay cuts and move their deals around. Now, as a layman fan, I've always understood contracts to be pretty binding. So how does this work, uh, both in terms of CAP and in terms of just procedure,
0: usually? Sure. So I think when you hear pay cut, that's a misnomer because – so the way contracts are set up, and yes, of course, they, ha- they are binding, um, is there's a base salary, which is just like what the guy gets paid you know, over the year. And then there's obviously a bunch of bonuses that come with that as well. So when you're restructuring your contact, a contract, that more or less means that your base salary into a signing bonus. So signing bonuses can be prorated you know, or divided equally over the life of a contract up to five years. Uh, I know one guy, I kind of ran through the numbers here for an example to paint a better picture for the listeners here. Mm-hmm. So, let's look at Kyle Long as, as an example. That's so, exactly what I was thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew where we were going there. So, in 2019, Kyle Long has a $6.9 million base salary. Okay. And he has $1.5 million portion of his signing bonus that he can, that came with his extension back in 2016. Uh-huh. So, those, that's his cap hit right there. $8.4 million between the 6.9 and the $1.5. So, if you wanted to restructure Kyle Long's contract, what you would do is you would lower that $6.9 ideally all the way down to the veteran minimum for a base salary. His current base salary is $6.9 as it stands today. You would want to take that all the way down to the minimum you could pay him you know, for a veteran with six years of accredited NFL seasons, which mm-hmm. for Kyle is $800,000. So with that $6.1 million that you've now cleared up, what you would do is you'd have to divide that over the years remaining on the contract okay. as a signing bonus so it would be about 2 million or so each year from now until 2021 mm-hmm. so you would add that 2 million that's a, a new signing bonus okay. to the pre-existing signing bonus that he had <laughs> which was 1.5 million for 2019 okay so his total salary cap charge for 2019 would just be the eight hundred thousand plus three point five million in signing bonus, or four point three, you know, total. Uh, and and it was eight point four to begin with, and so you can get that down to four point three and save your. So you're still paying Kyle the same amount of, giving it to him in a different structure. And I guess this is a whole other avenue, but there's a difference between salary cap dollars and actual real, you know, real world dollars. So mm-hmm. players don't mind doing this because signing bonuses are actually paid usually right away. Um, okay. depending on the size, they can, you know, come out in installments, but still those installments would all be within the first year. So for Kyle, you know, instead of him making, you know, a portion of $6.9 million, you know, every two weeks, you know, NFL players, they get paid just like us. Okay. So, you know, e- every two weeks he would get his, you know, regular, you know, salary. Instead of doing that, he would get that entire $6.1 million <laughs> right away. So he has no problem doing that.
1: Yeah, that ain't no thing. <laughs> yeah,
0: that, that ain't no thing to Kyle Long.
1: Okay, and so then, what does that do it for dead money? Does that mean that the salary, or does that mean the signing bonus becomes dead money for the rest of his contract?
0: Dead money only becomes dead money once I is no longer with the roster. So okay, but 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 yes, that is a good question though. So dead money that was guaranteed, and then they leave, and then that, that original team still is on the look for that money.
1: That's so, it. It's guaranteed.
0: Sign- this is right. Right. So signing bonuses are guaranteed, whereas salaries can be, but they also cannot be. So, yes, this becoming a signing bonus. If we did this and then cut him, we be creating more dead money for the Bears. So if they do the restructure, Kai Long is sticking around. If they don't, then then they have more options.
1: Okay. So in that case, uh, would you do it? I know Kyle Long. This is his first season in years, where he's finally going into the off season without a surgery. Now, some would look and they'd say that he's turning a corner. Others would look and say that this is where we're lucky now, and that we might want to get rid of him as soon as we can. What do you think?
0: So, I personally think they should restructure Kyle Long's contract. Inj- injuries are obviously random. He obviously has had, you know, an extensive history with injuries. You know, he joked uh, right after the game how. It's his first season without a knife in it in like five yeah. years. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you know, I think Long is a great bear for a lot of reasons. I mean, he was mm-hmm. drafted in 2013 right at the beginning of the misery Ugh. and, you know, has made it through all of this with, you know, generally, you know, positive outlook on the Bears and mm-hmm. has been, you know, a, a relatively stable and positive locker room presence. I, I think the Bears would be best suited keeping him around. Um, okay. But I do think that, you know, as it stands right now, him costing eight and a half million dollars for 2019 is too much.
1: I get that, uh, especially given that if we've got a window, it's probably this year, the year after that, and the year after that, that are going to be the three easiest years. I could see wanting to lessen a right guard's uh, contract as much as possible over that time.
0: Yeah, 100 and, percent. And like I mentioned before, but. You know, without you know, not on wood, but the Super Bowl window for this Bears team now is until Mitchell Trubisky's you know rookie contract runs yep. out. You mm-hmm. know, the hot trend now is to get quarterback on the rookie contract, and then you can spend a lot of money elsewhere. You know, filling out a roster.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, quarterbacks once they're off the rookie deal can cost a ton. Whereas right now we can spend on the Khalil Max and the Allen Robinsons of the world because Trubisky's not as expensive as he could be.
1: Absolutely. Not to mention <clears throat> another thing that I've noticed a lot of people will talk about every once in a while anyways is uh, whether or not Trubisky will be worth that deal. I'm with you. I think we have to plan that he will be worth that money because if he's not, well, then none of it matters anyways. Uh, if we're going to win the Super Bowl, it is going to be with a quarterback that is worth paying, you know?
0: I completely agree with you. Uh, it is an interesting conversation. You know, some people have already started talking about how the Rams like could try to— just get rid of Goff when he's done and try to just draft a rookie quarterback again and do the same thing they just did. You know, I think easier said than, you know, I actually don't think Jared Goff's that good of a quarterback. I think him and Trubisky are almost a wash. That might be a hot take.
1: I'm with you to jump in on that real yeah. fast. Yeah. I think that, uh, that Jared Goff and Mitch Trubisky are wildly different. I've always said that I think Goff is an A-plus football thrower and that he's his actual quarterbacking ability is where he starts to struggle a little bit. Mitch Trubisky seems like he's actually learning a lot, and he's so raw that that four- to five-year contract is where you start to look and, and kind of get squeezed a little bit, because he's got to spend the first two years learning like he has, and so you you really get three years of rookie quarterback, whereas with Goff, you get, if somebody's open, he's getting the ball, like, period. But it's when you start to confuse him with coverages, just like we saw the Rams do that. He struggles a little more.
0: Yeah, 100%. And You know, it definitely didn't help being coached by a dinosaur in John Fox's first season. And yeah. then, <laughs> and then of course, you know, Matt Nagy's offense is incredible, but you know, I'm sure it's extremely difficult to learn. Yeah. And and I, like you said, I think we saw some strides from Trubisky and, and yeah, you know, we only have two years left of him on this rookie deal now. And there of course is the fifth year option, which is, you know, a whole mm-hmm. other conversation. Um, <laughs> But, but yeah, I'm with you that, you know, you still have to capitalize on that window. And I also agree that, you know, you'd hope he's a guy that, you know, if you're coming out of this thinking he's worth paying, then we probably didn't bowl in the next two years.
1: I'm with you. All right. So give it to me straight. What is the 2019 bears effective cap?
0: The bears effective cap space for next year at 20 million to start, it'll be 13 and a half million, an effective cap space because they have a good amount of roster holes to fill.
1: Okay. Okay, so I know one of the big questions, and we haven't prepared this, by the way, listeners, uh, so this will be fun, uh, is we've got Bobby Massey, Bryce Callahan, and Adrian Amos as the big ticket Bears unrestricted free agents. That's the term, right? Unrestricted free agent? Perfect. Uh, and all three of them are important. Obviously, Bobby Massey had probably his best season as a bear uh, this last year. Bryce Callahan uh, turned a ton of eyes and a ton of heads over his play throughout the last year. And Adrian Amos is, of course, uh, his Twitter handles literally smash Amos as he's a very hard hitting, uh, strong safety. So with that said, which one do you think is the most important in terms of money?
0: So I think that Bryce Callahan in my, is my choice of the guy that needs to stick around. Um,
1: okay.
0: When it comes to the question of money, like which guy will probably... Okay, so every position in the NFL, and everyone has their own opinions on this, but you know, a certain percentage of the cap you know, can be allocated to each position. And of course, like we talked about, quarterbacks, you're going to see huge contracts. You know, defensive ends, Khalil Mack, you're going to see huge contracts. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, between a corner, a right tackle, and a safety... The safety is the least important of those three positions. And so, you know, that being said, I think Amos is the guy that you can probably p- afford to pay the least.
1: Especially given that he's a strong safety, a uh, free safety, I would almost consider paying some serious cash to. But a strong safety, I think Dion Bush, somebody could fill that role because it's just, you know, playing second fiddle to Eddie Jackson, who is obviously phenomenal.
0: I completely agree with you. And, and yes. Yeah, so, yeah, I should have clarified between free, you know, the Earl Thomases of the world and the Eddie Jacksons of the world. Yeah, again, a strong safety in today's NFL. You know, like you said, his name is Smash Amos, which is cool and all, but, you know, it also leads to, you know, unnecessary roughness penalties against Zach Ertz in a huge Whoops. playoff game. So, oh. <laughs>
1: Oh, I, I went <laughs> yeah. there. So Yeah, exactly. In that case, you mentioned Callahan, and he, he's really important. He obviously played his butt off throughout this season. Uh, my question to you, because slot corner, they're basically paid like full-time corners, right?
0: They're actually not. Um, there's, a couple, there's a couple guys that have kind of what we call reset the market uh, in the slot corner position. Uh, Aaron Colvin is probably the number one guy who got paid as a true slot corner, you know, his team signed him saying, we're not going to maybe move you outside. We want you to be our slot corner, but we're still going to pay you, you know, a good amount of money. That's a new thing.
1: Okay. That makes sense to me. What was the market there?
0: So he got, if I remember correctly, about seven and a half million APY, or, you know, average per year. I want to say his deal was about four years, 34 million, something like that. Um, so yeah, uh, (laughs) I don't (laughs) think Bryce Callahan will demand that much money. Um, Again, when you mention all three of those guys, those are all, really, in my opinion, tough questions. Uh, mm-hmm. Callahan' biggest question being, you know, the injuries. You know, as we've seen, this was his first year really playing, you know, a significant snap percentage. Not just because we ran a four-two-five with him playing so much nickel, but also just because he was able to stay on the field and be healthy for most of the year. Uh, and of course, the season ends with another injury, which makes it, a, you know, a tough question again. But yeah. he was so lights out when he did play that I'm not sure if you can let him go.
1: One of the biggest questions that I have when it comes to Callahan is I look at Massey and I look at Amos and I see two guys that when you ask the question of who's going to replace them, you have to, I mean, you cock your head a little bit and you say, I I don't really know. But with Callahan, we saw him get replaced by Sherrick McManus and it didn't feel like there was too much of a drop that's where I feel like maybe the Bears have a little bit of extra leverage. Obviously, it's the difference between somebody who's filling a role and somebody who's an outright star at the position, but McManus seemed like a capable enough backup. Does that ever affect the market, or does the free agent in Callahan's case say, "Nope, I'm just going to go get my money somewhere else?
0: Well, sure. It could certainly affect you know his negotiating or bargaining power with the Bears themselves, um, although I actually would argue that I think Dion Bush did a better job filling in Adrian Amos. Well, I guess he replaced Eddie Jackson. But I think Dion Bush yeah. would be l- would be less of a drop off from Adrian Amos than Sherry McManus was from Bryce Callahan.
1: Yeah. Speaking um, plainly, I I actually want to recant what I said earlier because you're <laughs> right. Uh, I think Bush Bush looked like a bad Eddie Jackson, but I think Bush could do Amos's job.
0: I'm fairly confident that that is their plan. I'm actually mm-hmm. com- comfortable with that plan. I, I actually okay. just wrote for the Blitznet, which is, you know, where I write Bear stuff um, over at the Blitznet um, about how the Bears should probably be planning to have Dion Bush be, be that Adrian Amos role. Again, as we mentioned multiple times, you know, playing opposite uh, Eddie Jackson is not the hardest job in the world. So, yeah, he makes guys look good. And that, you know, that Dion Bush, Adrian Amos just has to be kind of more of a run stopper and just be kind of a solid guy, you know, just don't be a weak link on the defense, and mm-hmm. I'm pretty comfortable with Dion Bush.
1: Okay, and then I know tackles can be expensive. What is the usual difference between a right tackle and a left tackle, or does the market not really discriminate?
0: The market discriminates pretty well, actually. Uh, or okay. Well is probably the wrong word, but the market does discriminate there. That is kind of been changing in recent years. There have been a couple right tackles that have landed some big contracts. Okay. Um, but, no, as it stands right now, uh, you know, again, it's off the top of my head, but left tackle average salary, I think, is about $2.5 more than the average right tackle salary. Okay. You know, ag- again, there's obviously outliers. You know, you have those massive, massive, you know, Nate Solder-type contracts to left tackles. But, you know, even as us Bears fans realize, you know, defenses are now putting their best pass rusher on both sides. You know, Khalil Mack went mm-hmm. up against right tackles just as often as left tackles. Yeah. So you know the NFL is kind of responding to that and so uh, a premier blue chip you know Lane Johnson type right tackle can make you know 11 12 you know million dollars a year which is you know top of the line left tackle money
1: yeah that makes sense to me so when you think of money and in terms of inflated positions so with right tackles getting paid more if let's say that Rashad Coward who i know is currently Harry Highstand's favorite project can come in and provide Let's just ballpark it at about 80% of the value that Bobby Massey can. Do you think that it's worth re-signing a player that's proven like Bobby Massey or taking a chance on the young guy?
0: So if you were to say 80% of Bobby Massey, uh, who this year was making, you know, $6 million, or he signed a three-year deal with $6 million, mm-hmm. you know, average per year. Coward, I'm guessing, you know, without looking at it, is on a rookie deal. Um, he is. Probably making, you know, dollars $800,000. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that's okay. Um, I actually differ from you. I do think Massey had a good year this year. He did, but I but I still don't think he's great. You know, I, I don't think that he's what you know six, seven times worth what Rashad Coward could be worth. Um, oh, uh,
1: yeah, no, I agree there. It's important I clarify that when I say he did, he had a good year. I not an A plus. He just filled his role. Uh, huh, is that yeah. is that six million dollars worth of filling his role? Well. That's a great question, isn't it? Right,
0: right. And those are, those are the questions that, that fortunately for you and I, you know, they're paying the big bucks to Ryan Pace to figure that stuff out. But Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so, you know, I, I talked about this a bunch with the Rashad Coward, and it's not very common for guys to switch from defensive tackle to offensive line. Um, I am the biggest Harry Heistand believer in the world. I, I think, you know, I wrote this the other day. I think he was arguably the Bears' best 2018 offseason acquisition. That's how valuable I think he was mm-hmm. to this team this year. So, you know, if he believes that Rashad Coward can, can fill that role and fill, you know, 80, 85% of Bobby Massey, I, I think they go ahead and do that. And, and like we said, you know, with all these different positions, you know, having different values, you know, right tackle is going up. In my opinion, why I think Callahan's the number one guy of the three is because the slot corner position is skyrocketing. Uh, okay. You know, and there's a couple reasons for that. You know, schematically, number one, I mean, you know, you look two three years ago, even, and teams would not put their best wide receivers in the slot. It just wasn't mm-hmm. a thing. You no. had your studs, you had your studs in the outside, and you had a five foot eight, you know, speedster in the middle. Mm-hmm. That's not a thing anymore. I mean, Michael Thomas, you know, AJ Green are getting 20 percent of their snaps in the slot. You need a reliable mm-hmm. slot corner, right? So you need a reliable slot corner in today's NFL to go up against those guys. So I think that is a position where, you know, as I mentioned, there's been a couple guys, you know, Nikel Roby Coleman, Aaron Colvin that have gotten, you know, slot corner deals. I think we're going to see more and more guys that get paid as true slot corners. And I think mm-hmm. Callahan could be one of those guys.
1: That makes sense to me. I mean, just to, pick something out for those of you listening, Prince of Mucimura would make a terrible slot corner with the way that he plays, like putting hands on guys. He, he makes sense on the outside and he doesn't make sense on the inside. And so based on what you're saying about the market, it definitely sounds like, and you're making me a believer that the bears need to get Callahan under contract so that that contract can't inflate as the market inflates. Because uh, that's kind of what you're talking about, right? If the Bears could get him for, I don't know, let's say $6 million for four years, the, uh, where maybe two and a half of those years are guaranteed, that'd obviously be pretty hefty. But that if the market suddenly balloons and now slot corners are being paid $9 million, Callahan's deal looks even cheaper by retrospect, right?
0: Yep, yep, 100%. And, and I think that, you know, again, it's not, you know, no one roots for injuries and, you know, it's unfortunate to see Callahan go down like that, but, you know, that will bring his. And and actually, that number you threw out there about four years, six million, is kind of in the ballpark of what I think they should offer him, uh, and I think is a fair offer. And you know, end of the day, he's an undrafted free agent. Originally. Um, you know, he's been with Bears his whole career, and you know, hasn't had a ton of playing time as i mentioned. until this season. He finally broke through and played about 87, 88 percent of the snaps mm-hmm. this year on defense. That number was around the 50s the last couple of years. So yeah, that is a smart as well. That yes. You know, that might balloon after. So if you can lock him in now and then his deal could look like a steal, you know, in two years from now.
1: Exactly. I mean – Just to your point, even, and to build further on this idea that there are uh, huge, phenomenal receivers uh, that play in the slot. I know Brandon Marshall used to take time in the slot, like of all people, Brandon Marshall in the slot uh, for the Bears. And then on the Browns, it seems like Jarvis Landry is working primarily out of the slot, right? Like, are some folks elite wide receivers, like their number one guys, primarily becoming slot guys?
0: Yeah, so I think that we are seeing that, and you know, Jarvis Landry is a guy that got paid. You know, another thing, he got paid wide receiver money. You know, as mm-hmm. a true slot wide receiver, which is also you know somewhat of a new thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't see why that can't be a problem. You know, why that can't happen. And then you also add on top of receivers, you know, guys like the Travis Kelseys and the Zach Ertzs of the world that are up in the slot. They're not on the end of the line. They're basically yeah. slot receivers for you know a bunch of snaps. So mm-hmm. yeah, that position, that slot corner position. To have a lot of responsibility going forward.
1: Okay. And frankly, that adds a little bit of context as to part of why Trey Burton gets paid the money he is. Or would it make sense if I said that Trey Burton is getting some combination of common tight end money and common wide receiver money, and that's how you get to that big number he's at?
0: Yeah, I think it would be fair to say that. I think that, you know, again, we've said this a couple times now, but the tight end is another that I think that, you know, is, is on the cusp of exploding. You know, okay. Rob, Rob, Rob Gronkowski changed the position for, you know, I'm sure there's guys before, and people will take issue with that, but, you know, Rob Gronkowski, in my opinion, is probably the greatest tight end of all time, and, you know... It's
1: not out of the question. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, 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 yeah, I don't think it's... I think it's arguable. <laughs> people might have their opinions. I don't think that's arguable, but, you know, the Travis Kelsey Zach Ertz, is these, these guys... I mean, they deserve... They arguably deserve wide receiver money, and that hasn't <laughs> happened before, and so... You know, I think I would say Trey Burton may have gotten overpaid a little bit. I think he had a lot of suitors, and I think Pace, you know, had a lot of conviction on him. I think he's great for Mitchell Trubisky and his development. I know he's a great locker room presence and so many other intangibles. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, he's 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 less of a tight end than than the standard tight end. So yeah, I think that's fair to say.
1: To your point on overpaying people, it seems like that's becoming a bit of a uh, it's becoming a thing that NFL teams are doing. And I think Pace Dallas uh, led this a little bit. You're seeing guys like Pace pioneer this idea of that's my guy and I will overpay because I know that's correct. Like with Khalil Mack was two first round picks 100 percent like everything the Bears wanted. I don't know. Maybe not. But we got him and he ended up making a huge difference. The same with Dallas and Amari Cooper. They traded the first-round pick. They got slapped around by or about it in the press. But ultimately, Amari Cooper has them still in the playoffs. Uh, so what do you think in terms of overpaying? Is that something that has always been happening? Is something that's sort of new? What do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you can look at every single decision a GM makes and critique it if you'd like. And, you know, of <laughs> course, hindsight's always 20-20, so I'm a big proponent of... You can only judge, you know, a draft pick or a signing, you know, when it happens in the moment. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think Ryan Pace is a guy that when he has his conviction on someone and he says, you know, this is the guy I want. I think he's going to be a huge contributor. You know, I like the man he is off the field as well. He's not afraid to give a little bit of extra money to that guy. And, I mean, he got for Allen Robinson, which I now steal, but now looks like a fine deal, if not a bit of a underpay already. Uh, Burton, you know, we'll see. Khalil Mack uh, is a situation that is almost incomparable. Um, That doesn't, that frankly does not happen.
1: It doesn't Um, happen.
0: And so I think that, I mean, I don't see how you don't make that decision. If you have the potential to get the best, you know, pass rusher in the NFL in the middle of his prime, who Mm -hmm. is hungry as hungry as can be, you know, to be on a contending team and, and you know, the type of guy, you know, they stay, I hear him talk about all the time In, in Oakland. He was, you know, first guy in, last guy out, hardest working guy there, you know, pushed all of his teammates, Just a great guy i mean how do you not go after that guy uh if you can you know because those guys don't come around very often
1: totally agree uh and so looking at that it seems like pace is definitely i mean he's got his convictions he's making uh the moves that we would hope that he makes if you were going to make your ultimate prediction on the three guys we've talked about adrian amos bryce callahan bobby massey who stays who goes you've hinted at it a little bit but what, what would you say is your final prediction
0: Sure. My final prediction would be we see Callahan and we see Massey and Amos headed elsewhere. Okay.
1: Makes sense to me. So then moving into, we'll call it kind of the second tier of bears that are leaving this year. Uh, the ones that I've seen that I that stick out the most uh, are Aaron Lynch, Pat O'Donnell, uh, Ben Bruckett, Broniker, I always get that mm-hmm. name wrong, Broniker uh, <laughs> is a restricted free agent. Isaiah Irving is an ERFA. Uh, Benny Cunningham will be leaving. And then Rashad Coward is another ERFA. Before we get into it a little bit, what is a restricted free agent versus an uh, exclusive rights ex- restric- restricted free agent
0: sure so a restricted free agent is a guy that has you know three accrued seasons in the NFL okay. and the basically he is allowed to hear from other teams but the original team you know in this case the Bears has the right of first refusal or basically to match offer that somebody else puts out there okay so you know if you if you look last year with like Cameron Meredith for example okay. he was a restricted free Right, he was a restricted free agent. The Saints made an offer. We, you know, the Bears put a tender on him, which is another conversation. Um, <laughs> and so you put tenders on a restricted free agents, and then someone else in the league can just offer him a contract. And then the Bears had the right to either match the Saints' deal or not. And, and you know, thankfully they did. They chose not to.
1: Yeah, that was really gutsy.
0: It really was, and, and I think that you know Brian Pace never seems to get credit for the good decisions that we hear all about the bad decisions, but that. Again, I, you know, Cameron was a great bear, great story, mm-hmm. but I mean, he could not have been more right on that decision.
1: Seriously. I mean, that was something that uh, Saints fan friends of mine have just texted me occasionally like, dude, who even is this guy? And I'm like a shell of himself. I that I never saw that coming. Never saw that coming that he would go from being a fairly productive receiver to basically invisible.
0: 100%. And I actually live down in New Orleans now. I go to school here. And, <laughs> and so I had all my friends kind of getting in my face. Like, you know, we just stole the stud receiver from you guys. He's going to be so good. And I remember th- you know, I'm saying, you know what? I did love, you know, Kimmer Meredith as a bear, but I mean, clearly that injury was, was bad. And, and I think mm-hmm. Pace realized that. And, and again, he was another guy that was an undrafted free agent that kind of, you know, worked really hard to get to where he was, but I mean, yeah, like you know, he did get hurt this year, so you know, I don't want to you know, knock him for that. But no. before that, he wasn't even making the 46-man active roster before mm-hmm. that. I mean, he was not getting playing time when he was healthy.
1: Yeah, exactly. So what is an exclusive rights-free agent?
0: Sure. So an exclusive rights-free agent is a player with less than two accrued seasons, and they're still the exclusive property of their, you know, the team currently on. If the team makes a one-year tender offer you know, to that player, so the tender offers, like I mentioned before, with the restricted agents, can be a real round, second round, and they come with a specified amount of money given by the league. But basically, an agent has to either take that tender, or if the team doesn't offer the tender, then they become an unrestricted free agent.
1: Okay, okay. So there's every chance that Rashad Coward and Ben Bronicker are back. Or, well, it's actually Coward and Isaiah Irving, but they're probably back. Because yeah, of-
0: they'll probably be back and, and the team will probably put a, you know, a low low round tender on them, uh, you know, which is a one year, you know, minimum salary. Okay. And, you know, you know, probably less than a million dollars by a good amount. Um, and yeah, those guys will probably be back with the Bears next year.
1: Okay. Uh so I know two other names. If we leave out Eric Cush, Kevin White, Brian Whitman, uh and DeAndre Houston Carson, who is a restricted free agent. The two names that we have left are Aaron Lynch and Pat O'Donnell. Do you think that they're worth bringing back from a money perspective?
0: So, you know, I would be lying if I said I knew a whole lot about the punter market or, you know, even punting, <laughs> you know, even punting in general. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say that, you know, I know the Bears drafted Pat O'Donnell. Um, I think the thing talked about least of the entire playoff game, and I'm sorry to the listeners for talking about this multiple times now, but Pat O'Donnell's punts before that last touchdown drive for the Eagles was awful. Um, yep. and I think he was inconsistent pretty much all year. Um, I, I don't see why the bears don't just go find another punter personally. And then as for Aaron Lynch, you know, coming over from the 49ers, you know, a huge Vic Fangio guy and, you know, Vic kind of made him a thing in, in San Francisco and, That's kind of a big part of why he came to Chicago. Mm -hmm. I actually actually think Aaron Lynch played his way out of being able to be afforded by the Bears.
1: I get that. Uh, Not only did he play his way out of it, but there's uh, there's a serious question of whether the Bears defensive line, being that Aaron Lynch got the rare chance to line up next to Khalil Mack, next to Akeem Hicks, next to Eddie Goldman, next to Leonard Floyd, these guys that could make him look as good as he possibly could, Uh, That makes me wonder if he's going to continue to be that guy on any other team or even our team.
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely fair as well. Um, I I do think that you know he oftentimes would come in rotationally, so he wasn't always out there with the studs. And I still think he made he made some great plays. But he did, yeah. But I'd probably agree with you that you know he may have looked a little bit better than he actually is. but I just think he's going to command, you know, a, a contract that might, you know, put him out of the price range the Bears can afford because he's not going to mm-hmm. start for us, of course. So, exactly, you know, we can't be paying our third or fourth best pass rusher, you know, on the outside, you know, decent money. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. It's it's really one of those where I only say that he may or may not have because I with one year, you just don't know. Aaron Aaron Lynch has been, to my understanding, the definition of inconsistent, where some seasons he's been kind of lousy and other seasons. He's been what we saw this last year. But I think you're right with how pass rushers are just what is the market for pass rushers, by the way, uh, going into this 2019 offseason?
0: So, I mean, pass rusher is basically the number two position behind quarterbacks in terms of. of, Right. And so, I mean, there's some huge, you know, pass rushers coming up for contracts, you know, with Demarcus Lawrence coming off the tag in Dallas. He's about to get paid in the shade. You know, Frank Clark, I could be wrong on this. He might be able, he might be up for a tag, but if not, he's going to get paid. I think D Ford in Kansas City, another name, he's going to get paid. Uh, And those guys, you know, they're not going to hit Khalil Mack money, but. You know, to go back to the beginning with Demarcus Lawrence, I mean, he's probably going to be coming into that room with the Cowboys asking for $20 million a year. Probably. Um, Yeah, you know, whether or not he gets that, you know, we'll see. But, I mean, around 18 to 20, I don't see him taking anything less than that.
1: Mm -hmm. So then that Aaron Lynch sort of fits that market as the, well, we don't want to pay Demarcus Lawrence money, but we could pay him less than that and still get a decent pass rusher.
0: Yeah, sure. And and again, I don't know much about, you know, I think Aaron's a guy that's been, I think, some injuries as well as maybe Mm -hmm. some other things going on. I don't want to be wrong on that and say something. But so, you know, stuff like that can can affect the market. But, you know, all I was really saying when I think he might get priced out was, you know, if he if he commands four or five million dollars a year on a deal, that's too much. Because the Bears are obviously paying Khalil Mack, you know, 21 or 22 Mm -hmm. million dollars a year next year. You're going to have Floyd who's going to get, you know, the fifth year option in 2020, and then he's going to be due to get paid, which I think he, you know, hopefully will earn. You know, again, another one of those guys, hopefully mm-hmm. he deserves it. Yeah. Um, so I just don't think, you know, like I talked about with different positions commanding different you know amounts, you can't spend that much money on one position.
1: Okay, now I'm a little more on your same page. What you're saying is that it's more that we can't pay him, even the four or five, over a few years if we're going to be able to afford some of the other folks that are going to come up for contract eventually.
0: Right. You know, I think that this year, nothing. think this year we had a good amount of money, uh, sorry, a good amount of room to spend. Uh, he was brought in on a one-year $4 million deal, just under $4 million. And But again, like it was a one-year deal, only, you know, 1.25 of that was guaranteed, you know, mm-hmm. Vic Vic probably vouched for him and we needed and like we talked about, we needed that depth. I mean, he was signed pre Khalil Mack. So yeah. at that you know, at that <laughs> point, yeah, right. So at that point our pass rush was a giant question mark. He was gonna um, so,
1: be paid like a bookend, like a cheap one, but he was paid like somebody who might start.
0: Right, exactly. And so I think he had a pretty strong year. I don't think his injury was that serious. You know, obviously he couldn't play in the playoff game, but I think he's fine long term. So I think he could definitely go out and try to get a, a deal for you know maybe six, seven million dollars a year, which puts him way out of the Bears price range.
1: Yep. Uh, I'm also with you on Pat O'Donnell uh, for every time that he was able to, like we saw in the playoff game, perfect microcosm of who he is. He had a really, really bad punt in the same game that he had a punt very literally roll out of bounds on the half yard line. And with the position of punter, you're probably looking for somebody who's a little more consistent, especially given that veterans commonly command higher price tags. That I could see the Bears pulling in some UDFA or drafting very low somebody, uh, finding the next Tress way off of the waiver wire. You get the idea.
0: Yeah, I completely agree on that.
1: Perfect. Okay, so going into the offseason with that room that we have, do you think the Bears have room to sign extra free agents aside from Callahan? And if so, who are you looking at?
0: Sure. So the great thing about this defense is they're returning so many starters, and they're returning their best starters. You know, they're returning mm-hmm. the leaders' of this defense. You're getting the Hickses, the Max, the Jacksons all coming back. Mm-hmm. So I do think they're going to be in the market for some free agents, but more, you know, rotational pieces. You know, we just talked about Aaron Lynch. You know, I think a safety. I think with the departure of Adrian Amos that I'm predicting, um, and with Dion Bush taking over that start role, mm-hmm. I think you're looking at another Demps type sign, um, <laughs> kind of a veteran safety. I know, yeah. I know. Obviously, we want, <laughs> yeah, we want that to go a little bit differently than it did last time. But that was a great signing so, that
1: just went so bad?
0: Yeah, <laughs> he, had, he had a phenomenal year coming into that uh, coming into that year, and just fell off. You know, who, who knows?
1: <laughs> yeah, who knows?
0: But yeah, so you know, some guys that I also think. I actually think the biggest weakness on this team was the special play and, you know, kicking, Mm -hmm. not, you know, not the kicking, but also just, you know, punt coverage and and returns were, I mean, Tariq was awesome on punts, but our kick return was, it has to be one of the worst in the league. And then, yeah, just downing punts and coverage was just not great. So some guys around the league that I've looked at, uh, so some safeties, you know, a guy like Marcus Gilchrist, who was on the Raiders Mm -hmm. this year, probably more than they wanted him to. He's 30 years old now. He's on three different teams the last three years. Mm -hmm. Um, you know they shipped off Obi Melafonwu, uh, to the Patriots. You know they're going to turn him into an All-Pro next year probably. Um, but uh, you know a guy like him, you know he's 30. We could probably pay him like two million dollars for a one-year deal. You know with the in- you know incentive of hey, you're going to be on an off defense and and you know may have a playoff run in your future. You know, mm-hmm. coming off a year with the Raiders, um, and then just some pure special teams guys at safety. Um, you know, Kamal Ishmael is a guy in the Falcons that I think is a great special teams contributor. Um, an interesting guy named Jordan Richards, also on the Falcons. Uh, played some safeties this year and played a lot of special teams. He was actually a second-round draft pick of the Patriots uh, in 2015. Whoa. Just kind of didn't work out there. A very rare, like, total, total mishap pick for the Patriots, which, you know, does not happen very often. Um, mm-hmm. And... Traded him for like a conditional seventh, basically nothing. Um, and he kind of turned it around a bit this year in Atlanta. Had too much money going to go into the secondary already, so you know, at, at that position, safety, I would say you allocate you know, two, three million more dollars. You know, I wouldn't do much okay. more than that. Moving on, I guess, to right tackle, I, I, I think personally that Massey, unless he agrees to like a pay cut, which he might, um, who knows, he's also a guy that's yeah, he's also a guy that's 30 years old at this point. As we said, he probably had his best year as a. Base. But I, I think he, you know, still is probably, you know, one of the weaker links on the offensive line. So some guys looking for their uh, go- the Patriots, Lee Adrian Waddle could be an option. The Falcons have a pretty good backup right tackle. Ty Sombrello. you know, they're already paying what Ryan Schrader uh, and Jake Matthews big, big money to, you know, benchmark that offensive line. So they can't pay another tackle. Um, I think he's a swing guy. He could probably, you know, play on either side. Mm -hmm. And then looking more at those older guys, uh, Jared Veld here on the Broncos Uh, up there in age. He used, you know, he used to be one of the higher paid tackles. He was a stud for a long time, but Mm -hmm. kind of in his career now, Um, but would probably be an upgrade or maybe an even keel or a Bobby Massey. And then, you know, one that might sound crazy to some Bears fans, but maybe a Jordan Mills, you know, a former Bear. (laughs) Um, I know. I know that. Yeah. Laughter was expected. It could Um, work. It really could. Well, I, I mentioned this before, but I'm the biggest believer in Harry Highstand maybe on the planet. So I really think if you get him some guys that are, you know, you know they're going to work hard, they have the skills, they have the tools there, that he can make something happen. And, and the the safeties I mentioned as well, you know, with the hiring of Chuck Pagano, you know, he's originally a secondary guy. I mean, I think that you have to hope that you give him some, you know, some clay and and he'll mold it into something better than what it was, you know, in previous years. And we've seen mm-hmm. plenty of examples of, you know, a guy changes scenery and has, you know, a better year. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't see that as signing uh, really at any position. Um, but, you know, we agree 100 percent on slot corner safety and right tackle are probably the biggest pressing needs for the Bears.
1: It is really a nice job that Pace has done that even though we don't have much cap, we have a whole lot of starters we really can count on. So your general thought also is that we'll be targeting Cheaper, much less splashy guys, and maybe a couple of "quote unquote" special teams aces. Then,
0: so I do think this off season, you know, unlike last year with the big splash, you know, the Rob Burton, Mac, etc. This is more of a, you know, filling little holes, kind of just round out a roster with some solid players. um And I do want to give you know Ryan Pay some credit because we do have more flexibility than one might think. Those guys he signed in previous seasons, smart to not you know, guarantee any money, you know, in, in later years. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I mentioned the Quinton Dempseys, you know, a guy like Pernell McPhee, who I also think, you know, the injuries were miserable, but I think, you know, that's a whole nother conversation, but all those guys, he didn't, you know, we're not getting affected by those guys now, which is important, you know, and there's Mm -hmm. teams around the league that are still paying players. You know, they signed a big free agent signings and, and Ryan Pace did not do that. So we have some room and and I think that he will smart about it. He has been.
1: Heck yeah. I really think it's got uh, where it's set for a pretty solid off season for exactly the reasons we've talked about. It's no misery. The window's still wide open.
0: Absolutely. And I think the funny thing is, you know, how public perception changes. You know, everyone's telling us we're going to be terrible this year. Hmm. You know, the window, w- there wouldn't be a window. And now the window's wide open. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I- I'm kind of hoping that, you know, we lost in a depressing fashion just like the same, you know, in that collapse since Minnesota, that bizarre Touchdown to uh, Stefan Diggs. Mm-hmm. So I mean that that's that's the type of thing that can motivate a team over an entire offseason And then you add in the fact that uh, I mean Mitchell Trubisky is not only learning an entire new playbook, but he is throwing to Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Trey Burton, and Anthony Miller, four guys he's never seen before.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean there's
0: there's so much reason for optimism that this team is going to take another step forward. Uh, I I'm personally a believer that the Fangio loss is not as huge as it's being made out to. Obviously Mm -hmm. a great coach, but I think Pagano is also a great coach. Um, So, yeah, I think there's a lot of reason for optimism in Chicago.
1: Heck, yeah. So we're getting a little low on time, so I will ask you one last bonus question. Which of the Bears' NFC North rivals, all of whom have quarterbacks making pretty large sums of money, is in the worst contract situation and why?
0: So I would have to say the Vikings are probably in the toughest contract situation right now of the, uh, of the group. Although I will say, you know, I personally think that's one of the best run front offices in the entire NFL. I think the Daniil Hunter contract might be, the be one of the best contracts we've seen in a couple of years. You know, of course, Adam Thielen is still getting paid pennies, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny right now. Um, but they just have a lot of guys that are either getting paid big money or about to get paid big money you know, they still have a lot of cheap guys in the defense that are not going to be cheap because, they're you know, they're good. I mean, so mm-hmm. when, you, when you have the Kirk Cousins carrying that giant cap hit every year, like we talked about in the beginning with quarterbacks, you know, it's much harder to, you know, manipulate around that. And mm-hmm. so they have to kind of get cheap and kind of be smart with it in other areas. And they have been. And that's why, you know, they were so good last year and, and you know, struggled this year. But, you know, I would have said this was kind of their window. It, um, it really looked like it. It really did. They really underperformed this year. Yeah. Uh, which was which was really surprising because it was as much, you know, flack as Kirk Cousins got. I mean, their defense was what stood out. You know, mm-hmm. no defense, no defense is gonna be, you know, incredible every year. Yeah. Just a you know, just a forewarning to Bears fans. We're not gonna be the number one defense in the NFL next year, I assume. Um, mm-hmm. but I mean their drop off, you know, enormous. And they didn't lose it, a lot of guys en- either. It enormous. Just, yeah. So, you know, they gotta figure that out. Um, but yeah, they have a lot of guys getting paid a lot of money. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. I mean, you have all on defense, you got Hunter Rhodes, Griff, uh, Linval Joseph, all making over ten million dollars a year already. Uh, and then boy, they gotta oh start, boy. Right, right.. And then they got to start paying some of these, you know younger secondary players. They obviously have a guy like Dalvin, you know coming up theoretically. So I mean, they've all been great at drafting and they and they have some younger guys on good contracts as well. but, they have a lot of big contracts right now. So I think I would have to say mm-hmm. that.
1: Okay. I mean, that makes total sense to me. I get it. They're, they're running out of room just like we probably will in, what do you think? Two years uh, before <laughs> it, uh, we're going to catch that little bit of runway where ooh, we'll have to make some moves. Uh, great having you on Brad. Where can everybody find you?
0: I had a great time. Thank you for having me on. Uh, everybody, on Twitter at Brad underscore OTC. You can find me on a website called Blitz Network, which is on Twitter at underscore the Blitznet, And also over the cap.com is where I get all these salary cap numbers and I'm writing on there as well.
1: Perfect. Well, thanks so much.
0: Thank you so much.
1: And there you have it, folks. That's the interview. I hope you learned a lot about the Cap and the Bears' situation in it. I know I sure did in the process and, frankly, had a lot of fun doing it. Now, as I'm sure you may have noticed, this is the clear longest episode of Bear With Me ever recorded. So with that in mind, we're going to go ahead and shelve the postseason wrap-up for now, especially since all the favorites won, and there's really not a lot to say. But yeah, thank you so much for joining me on this awesome Cap episode. I'm Robert Schmitz, your host. You can find me over at Twitter at rschmitz28, that's rschmitz28, and I'll be posting up more articles all over Windy City, getting in the comments with y'all, talking back and forth forth. If you have the ability to do so, please give this show and Lester's show a five-star rating on iTunes or Spotify or whatever carrier it is you're watching on. You have no idea how much that helps us not only know that we're doing a good job, but also make sure that we're promoted to the other Bears fans just like you that would enjoy this content if they could find it. Once again, it has been an absolute pleasure hosting this show for y'all. I can't wait to see what other stuff we come up with in the offseason. But until next week, bear down, and thank you so much for bearing with me. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form The, the Shutdown Shut Fullcast, Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Fulltron The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast But it's also a show about Lawn care disasters Regional grocery stores we love Tennessee Batman Homeowners Associations It's not Voltron.